0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, geeks and freaks of all ages, we are listening to Geeks Explain It All. That's right, geeks will explain it all.
1: Well, hello there! Welcome back to another fun-filled, fact-filled, power-trio-filled episode of Geeks Explain It All. Well, we don't really have a power-trio, we have more of a power-duo, but, uh... <laughs> anyway, uh, I am known as uh, Stratosphere, and across the Wayback Machine for me, or across the jukebox from me, I guess, is uh, my court and crime, low these many years, you know him, you love him, just can't live without him,
0: D-Dub, give it up. The jukebox, huh? See, the first thing that popped into my head was, don't rock the jukebox, I wanna hear some Jones. Go ahead, never mind. How's it going, folks? God, the, the roots just betray you. <laughs> well, I can't help it, you know. I I know. I go into these stores and I hear stuff and it's like... Okay. It gets stuck see, in the See, if this were a Marvel
1: comic, you'd see a little asterisk and you know, see our country episode.
0: <laughs> well, you know, it makes it bad since I started the new job I've been in, a, in. I've been in these stores all the time. Right. And they have their playlist. And they keep playing this song, something like, Stop Messing with My Duct Tape Heart or something like that. Stop messing with my duct tape heart. Your best make you fall apart. I don't know. Oh, I've got to hear that. That sounds awesome. (laughs) I don't know who does it, and I've never cared enough to pull up SoundHound on my phone to find out.
1: That's the one problem with working in uh, stores like that. Is yeah, there's there's definitely the playlist. I remember years ago as a temp gig, I was doing some uh, resets for Kellogg's. In uh, some of the Columbus area stores, okay, and uh, yeah, they played the same twelve songs over and over well, all frickin' I, day.
0: <laughs> I can go one better on you. Okay, uh, one year around Christmas time, I was basically doing resets myself for a plumbing right. company, and I was in these stores called Quality Farm and Fleet around Christmas time. Know them well, and they had their Christmas list. Oh, that's th- even worse. Of about twelve songs played over and over and over to this day I why do suicides go up at christmas i don't know <laughs> well to this day i still cannot listen to that damn mariah carey song you've mentioned that several times yeah. yeah now the funny thing is if you if you do a youtube search and i know that at least one of our two listeners will <laughs> i got a story about that um if you look up Mariah Mariah Carey Christmas song or whatever, right. somebody videotaped her before they sweetened the audio with oh, her really? actual voice. Oh my god, it is so it, it, it's glorious. Are we talking like Linda McCartney? It's it's so bad. Really? How can you not sit there with a smile on your face it's just that bad? Okay, that's what I'm doing when I get home. I'll tell you that right now. But my my other story. Um Well, I had mentioned once before, I think, I may have been talking to you personally, but I had that one supervisor that used to work for me that, you know, I said, well, she called a bitch in a moan and she called me up and said, I am not bitchy. I said, I never said you were. Go back and listen to the episode. But anyway, she had said to me, you know, you keep kidding about having tens of fans. What does that mean? (laughs) Well, We harbor no false pretensions, folks. I'm just going to play that out there right now. Yeah,
1: so as soon as we get up, uh, you know, I I joke that, yeah, as soon as we get up uh, on the numbers, we're going to uh, open up a Patreon account and start accepting donations. And it's like, I'm sure if I contacted Patreon, they'd be like,
0: (laughs) (laughs) Kind Kind of makes me think of the old thing I used to say. Whenever I'd get paid, I'd say one of two things: Oh, got to take my check to the bank because it's too small to go by itself, okay. or boy, now I can go buy that grilled cheese sandwich I've been dreaming <laughs> of. It's all about little goals, really. I'm telling you. And speaking of little goals, how about some feedback from the folk from the folks out there? If you'd like to leave some feedback, you can do that at geeksexplainitall at gmail dot com. And go see us on iTunes. Leave us a review, please.
1: <laughs> We're begging you. We're gonna hold a telethon just 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 to get a just to get a comment. <laughs> actually, you no. Know, in all seriousness, uh, we'll we'll talk about this. I'm gonna tease this now, and we'll talk about it at the end. But I have actually come up with a plan, an evil plan, that our next episode, not this one, but our next episode is almost guaranteed to get comments. They're not going to be positive comments, but I'm just fed up. So uh, we'll we'll get into that a little bit more details at at the end of the show. Yeah, I'm...
0: (laughs) Let's just say we're probably going to have the dark side and the light side. We'll just tease it like that. Okay, fair enough. That's good. So, anywho, with all of that being said and all of that out of the way... And as stratosphere pets, pets are mascot. Theodore Edward Barrington—that's the puppy's name. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is our topic for this week?
1: Well, as I said before, uh, and actually, I got to give uh, full snaps. This is actually D Dub's idea, and which is unusual uh, for anyone that knows us, because I'm—I mean, he's—he's he's a music geek, but in very much in the minor, I'm—I'm I'm the one that will like. Get me talking on stuff, and it's like, oh, even my wife's like, okay, honey, there, it's all played out. Just, just move on to a new topic. But, um, in the in the annals of music geekery, uh, one thing that
0: is talked about is power trios. And what is a power trio? That was what. I, well, I'm sure we have slightly different. Definitions, but why don't you give me yours and I can add little addendums.
1: Okay. Uh, basically, what I'm going with it's uh, it's a three piece. It's it's usually um, guitar, bass, and drums. There's usually my definition is there are there are only three principal players in the band.
0: Okay, and, that, and
1: that's and I usually my only amendment to that is that's how, often how they perform live. There are um, there are bands who have only three members, but they augment their performance. Uh, a good example of this at this point would be the Moody Blues. Moody Blues basically have um their drummer, their bass player, and their guitarist, but when they tour, they have practically you know, like a ten piece orchestra. With well, they, them,
0: well, they'd have to to try to reestablish the lush sound that they're so used right.
1: To. So I don't really consider them a power trio, even though there's actually only three members in the band left at this point.
0: Oh, and just for the record, at some point we're going to have to do uh, an episode on like lucky, lucky sons of bitches, people, right place, right time. They really don't contribute a whole lot to the overall whole of a band. And yes, I'm talking about the flute player for the moody blues the flute player and the poet i'm sure he had a lot to do with the founding of it he plays tambourine too you know and he retired because the stress was getting to him well you know i'm I'm not even making that up (laughs) well you know reciting his bad poetry and and playing a little bit of flute during nights and actually he
1: he's reciting the drummer's bad poetry if we're going to be very strict about this still lucky, (laughs) lucky sons of bitches yeah that that could get into a full episode.
0: Not anytime soon, but perhaps you know. Okay. All right. So power trios. So, um, you know, I, since I, I I might as well come up tell you why I was thinking about this. Okay. I was driving, and um, something came up on the radio, and it happened to be by a Canadian band. And no, I'm not talking about Rush. I'm talking about Triumph. Ah. And no, it was not Hold On. I rarely hear Hold On these days. This one in particular was, um, I believe it's called Somebody's Out There. Somebody's Out There Somewhere, yeah.
1: Uh, they, you know, a, a lot of their stuff, I'm sure, was bigger in, in Canada. but um, It would have
0: to be. It's all metric up there.
1: Ah, I like what you did there. But Triumph, you know, you could fill a CD's worth of stuff by them that gets radio airplay. It just doesn't get airplay a lot. But if you were to take all the songs that have gotten, like, a little bit of airplay by them, they, they've they got quite a nice little selection of hits.
0: yeah. And you know, since we're since we're north of the border, and we're talking about trios. And oh no, I'm still not talking about that. Go ahead, real,
1: real quick on Triumph. Um, that's the other uh, kind of addendum to a power trio is that uh, Mike Levine, who is the bass player for Triumph, also plays keyboards. So it's not necessarily limited to. Um, just the three, you know, guitar, bass, and drums, but the point is when, well, they've been broken up for years, but when they played live, it was basically the three of them. That was it.
0: Well, okay, I didn't know they had broken up, but then again, I'm a little more musically illiterate than...
1: Actually, um, Rick Emmett, the... Um, guitar player? The guitar player and singer for probably 80, 80 90% of their stuff uh, had left them for almost... Six seven years before they actually broke up. Oh, okay. And, and he embarked on a solo career, which again in Canada was he was really successful. But damn, he must have sold like six seven records. Yeah, well, as opposed to you know Triumphs three or four. Yeah, well, and, and I'm always like, how do they afford all those lights? Damn. As Triumph was was notable more for their light show than for their actual music. Usually, when the average uh, music fan is mentions about triumph they may not know their songs, but they'll remember oh, that's the ones that used to have like their their name in like
0: you know one thousand
1: lights or whatever so
0: i I actually heard another Canadian trio when I was driving. I do a lot of driving with the new job now that's um, all I do on my job is driving, oh, I, so. I I know I'm instead of getting the Cleveland area, I got Akron, and for some reason with Akron, they included Youngstown, okay and New Philadelphia and Alliance. Okay. So I got, know them well. Yeah, so I got a little bit of a haul. But they played another Canadian trio. And no, I'm not talking about them, although you know who I'm. Oh, Jilliwack. They were not. Jilliwack. Back. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's okay.
1: That I forgot about them. Now, I want to say they started out as either a four or a five piece. But by the time they had that, their, their one hit wonder that's right. here in. in uh, the 80s, uh, My Girl, Gone, Gone, Gone. That's right. My
0: girl, she was the world to me. She's gone the way across the sea. My girl is just a memory. She beats a lot of me. gone, gone, gone. She's been gone so long. She's been gone, gone, gone so long.
1: And, you know, I actually heard that on the radio the other day. And wow, talk about a lost classic! That song has not aged one bit, and that is still a damn fun s- song to sing along uh, to on the radio. It is, and and
0: you could technically make the argument that you have that they were at the time of that song were technically a duo who just happened to add a bass player because really? you had the one guy that did this and this and this and this, and the other guy that did this and this and this and this, and then you had this guy,
1: bass. Hey, but uh, you know it's it's funny because uh, Chilliwack actually, even though in the, is one of these, is, and this is another thing I could we could probably do a whole show on is groups that had, were considered one hit wonders and yet had huge catalogs. They had like fifteen albums, believe it or not.
0: Oh, I don't doubt it. Yeah,
1: you know, it's like huge. again, huge in Canada. Um, I, I'll, I'll give a shout out to, uh, what's becoming one of my, uh, favorite other podcasts is it's called rock and or roll and okay. the, the guy that's the host his, his name is, uh, BJ Kahuna and he, he actually refers to himself as your reluctant host. He, he really doesn't sound enthused, but God, he is, he's is, makes me look like an amateur as far as music geekdom. And he did a whole show on Canadian artists that he loved most of which I had never heard of, but he started playing some Chilliwack and he's playing like three or four cuts in a row and they're all really good stuff that I had never okay. heard before. So, But yeah, Chilliwack has a damn huge catalog. I know the um, the lead singer had passed away from cancer a number of years ago. I did remember reading that. Oh,
0: I, I don't know. I really, you know, I you were always much more into music than I am and i knew them i'm basically from the one song
1: this from. is how how pathetic it is i'm i'm basically working without notes i'm doing all this weird trivia for memory because that's just how my stupid mind works but
0: and i'm working without notes because well he's talking to me that's how i always do it <laughs> i he can attest i don't think i i think one episode of either show i've had notes in front of me usually when we have notes
1: it's just so we don't run out of things to say. They're more prompts than notes.
0: Right. Or if I come up with a particularly snarky comment that I'm proud of that has the entire audience rolling their eyes. Which he usually empty. thought
1: of earlier in the
0: week, and he's like,
1: damn, I have to write that down, which I do the same thing. Yeah,
0: and then I turn around and, damn, I really should carry paper.
1: <laughs> we are, we are way over, we're over 50 shows now, and I don't think we've recorded one single show where I haven't gone home and said,
0: Damn, I wanted
1: to mention blah blah blah.
0: Well, that's what the show notes are for. Yeah, yeah. Well, not that we'll ever do that. <laughs> yeah, this my show notes for the other show. Hey, we're doing this one next time. Is this?
1: Yeah. yeah. Thank you for that in-depth coverage.
0: That's why. That's why I'm the best non-sports this color commentator. That's why I'm the best non-non-sports commentator in the business, folks. Color commentator, and that's documented. Okay. All right, go right ahead. All right, we're gonna mention one that's. Um,
1: uh, well, okay. Let's uh, tell you what. We'll we'll stay with Canada, so you, you yeah. might as well. Go yeah, I was I was gonna save this one for last because it's arguably the most well known. But since we're up in the Great White North, um, how's it going, eh? Okay. Our topic for today is power trios. We could do this whole show like this, <laughs> you and I. I know we could. I know we could. Um, but we're talking about uh, everybody's favorite.
0: Uh, well, almost everybody. Come on, everybody
1: loves Rush at this point.
0: Everybody used to hate him, but now it's like I, I'm kind. I'm kind of indifferent myself. I like Rush because they have a great sense of humor. You know, and just along those lines, right. before this flies out of my head, I'm not. I don't know if you're familiar with the TV show called uh, Trailer Park Boys. You may have heard, heard of it. it. Not, not well. It. Alex Lifeson actually appeared on there as Alex Lifeson. Really? Yes, and.
1: Oh, and I have a story about Alex Lifeson. Oh, and he
0: was just hilarious.
1: Alex Lifeson is... It, 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 if he hadn't become a guitarist, then he would have had to have become a stand-up comedian because he is brilliantly funny. I'll, I'll actually edit, edit... I'll see if I can uh, take the whole thing and edit it in here. Oh,
0: wait a minute. Is this his acceptance speech?
1: Yes. Okay. When Rush was finally inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame... Uh, Neil Peart, the drummer, Getty Lee, the bass player, came up and said their uh, you know their thank yous to you know the the academy or whatever, to their families, blah blah blah. Well and, and Alex Lyson comes up and gives this entire speech and this thing was like three, four minutes long, and it consisted of one word, blah. Blah 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 blah
0: blah 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 blah. Blah 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 blah
1: blah 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 And he's just like blah 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 and it just kept going on and on and it just got funnier if you if you
0: that's the type of thing that you'd have to see the video of it to really see what he was doing, because he did a lot of hand a lot gesturing, of lo-
1: yeah gesturing, and
0: which kind of which kind of um, accented the story to where you kind of knew what he was talking about at that. Well, point. Well,
1: it was just a it was he was pointing up the fact that it was just a cliched you know, thank you speech, the kind of thing you see in the Oscars, the Emmys, the Grammys, etc. But he just turned the whole thing on his head and just watching Neil Peart and Getty Lee trying not to lose it as he's doing it. And how he was able to keep a straight face, man, is a genius. But um, Russia's a power trio really only had one, quote-unquote, hit here in the States. Can you name it?
0: You know, there's so much stuff that gets constant airplay on on the things. I wouldn't even know what would be considered their hit.
1: Uh, they only actually – well, their hit – when I say hit um, – Top 40 hit. New World Man. Okay. That is their only top 40 hit, even though that actually never gets played. and all,
0: I was just going to say, I'd never hear that one on the Yeah, radio.
1: that one actually hit the top 40, but, um, you know, Working Man, Tom Sawyer, I mean, you hear this stuff once a day, at least. Yeah, and at least once a week you can hear Spirit of Radio. Uh, yeah. I, again, this is stuff that just gets played and played and played. They're, I'd say they're arguably one of the most overplayed... Uh, power trios ever but yeah ironically enough New World Man's the only one that actually hit the American Top 40 well I'll be dipped yes soon we all will be
0: oh my god it's dipped
1: oh my god it's dipped
0: name the reference folks
1: too late so I, say, I know the reference you want me, want me to I
0: no, we'll just let him hand Send your entries, too. <laughs> and once again, I'll try to give away that damn copy of Planet of the Apes. Send, send your entries, too.
1: Did, did we ever send out the copy of Die, You Zombie Bastards?
0: No, it, no that was Horror High. And actually, I hand-delivered it. I oh, okay. Ra- I, I ran into him at MegaCon. Oh, okay. I knew okay. he was going to be there, so I took it with me and gave it to him. Awesome. Never heard anything back from the Tater.
1: Probably won't forgive you for that. I'm telling you. <laughs> Okay, so oh, okay, and uh, I gotta pause.
0: So what do you say we move a little uh, south of the Canadian border now? Okay, and um, or even we can go across the pond. I'm open.
1: Well, that's kind of where it started was was across the pond. I would say uh, one of the one of the first earliest power trios would be uh, also one of the first supergroups that would be uh, Cream. <laughs>
0: Oh, I was going to say the Dave Clark Five. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, I, oh, me. just the look on your face is just... <laughs> the caffeine hasn't
1: kicked in yet. Give me a break. <laughs> okay, Cream. Anyway, yeah, Cream, um, which of course is uh, uh, Jack Bruce, Ginger Baker, and the ever-popular Eric Clapton. Wasn't Jeff Beck part of that once, or is that Yardbirds? Uh, that would have been Yardbirds. It's possible at some point Jeff Beck has had a power trio thing going on, but I know the Jeff Beck group, as it's been called, has usually got more, you know, because Beck will be the first one to say he's not a singer. He usually gets somebody who's a halfway decent singer. But, uh, yeah, uh, Cream was actually, you know, it's funny because I kept hearing, You know, I came. You know, when when the whole '60s thing happened, obviously, you know, we were we were just babies. So a lot of this I I found out years after the fact, and I kept hearing how uh, Cream was this super group, and it's basically three guys soloing at the same time. And I tell you, I listen to their stuff, at least the stuff that gets airplay, and it 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 sounds like uh, Eric Clapton playing guitar and Jack Bruce doing most of the singing, Ginger Baker. And I know, I I hope I get flack for this, but Ginger Breaker does not impress me as as a terribly, like, innovative drummer. It just doesn't.
0: Well, since we're we're across the pond and we want to talk about innovative drummers, ooh, nice segue, dude. Okay. I got to talk about one that, um, I don't know how influential they were, but they were sure popular as hell, and that would be The Police.
1: So a little now, bit later in the in the game, it
0: is. But since we're you know geographically we're over there.
1: Plus we saw them.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, one of my favorite things not about the police isn't necessarily Sting's vocals. Um, but Sting sings like a woman.
1: Well, I, I, I read I read an editorial to that effect a few years back, and I keep coming back to it. Listen to Roxanne. That sounds like a woman singing. Really, it does
0: <laughs> a, a little bit, but. Go back and listen to almost any police song mm-hmm. Listen to what Stuart Copeland is doing on the draw oh, he's, he's i mean instead of just keeping i mean he's actually adding something to the mix instead of just keeping rhythm he's well, got all kinds of crap going on in the background
1: well it's a lot of his stuff is actually you know hugely jazz influenced and uh this I just read this um, about a month ago, and once I read it, I was going back and looking at videos. I don't know if you've ever realized there's two ways to hold the drumsticks when um, when you're playing the drums. One is having them just like both in, and visually you're not going to be able to see this at home. But um, one is to hold them like this. The other one, you hold it with an underhanded grip with with your left hand, and when you do that, that's when you start opening up um, a lot of the jazz stuff, and that's that's the type of that, that's. Well,
0: I think there's a third way, although it may be an sh- offshoot of the other one. That'd be how Keith Moon used to play his.
1: Keith Moon, you know how Keith Moon played drums? Hit everything at yeah. once. Yeah. Fast and but, hard.
0: Uh, actually, I, I heard a very interesting story about Stuart Copeland, and I, I believe he used to drum for a band called Curved Air at some point.
1: Yes, he played he, well, he, he, Oh, I was going to say, he was not a founding member, but uh, about two years before Curved Air broke up, he had joined, and I believe he toured briefly with them.
0: Well, when he was with them, he used to write letters to the editor, to some of the music magazines. Okay. Not as himself, but as fans, and say, my God, you have to hear this drummer for Curved Air. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Okay. But, but you know what he he had the talent to back that up, oh, he absolutely did. I mean, like I said, he's got so much stuff going on in the background instead of just tss, pff,
1: tss, pff, tss, pff. oh yeah, adding adding a little i guess it very very jazzy which is which is why the police were kind of standing out from the whole new wave thing because the the fact of the matter is a I would say at least eighty percent, if not more, of new wave artists that came out in the eighties. Basically, just just learn their instruments sometimes six months or less before walking into the studio because it was an offshoot of punk, and punk was all DIY, just, just yeah. three chords and dash it out. And Hey-ho, let's go. Hey-ho, let's go. But the police kind of stood out from that because um, all three of the members of the police had uh, actually done duty in other bands and – they all had some serious musical chops.
0: Well, oh, um, sure. I mean, you listen to any any part of it, and rather than some of it fading to the background, everything contributes to the whole. I mean, Andy Summers was not what I would consider a traditional guitarist because he had all kinds of stuff going on between the effects and that. Um, he and, was
1: he was actually pretty innovative, and I would and I, I don't want to get in get drag down this rabbit hole, but a lot of people give credit to Neil Sean for doing uh, guitar synth. And I would say, I would argue Andy Summers was far more influential in doing guitar synthesizer than him. And uh, especially in the, the later police stuff, there were a lot of times I got very frustrated with their later stuff because that's all I heard. You know, Andy tended to not take solos. So it kind of uh, it got annoying because, like, this guy's a really good guitarist and it keeps
0: sounding like he's playing keyboards. Yeah. I mean, even, even the bass tracks, you know, there's a well, lot I, going I, on there. Okay,
1: too. yeah. Sting, Sting is a, a douche. That's another song we or another show we could do easily just on him.
0: Well, you know what? In the course of the last three minutes, you've mentioned at least two douches, or do we call them douche eye? Oh, well, yeah. Neil, Neil Shawn and Sting. God, can you imagine them,
1: them teaming up for something? <laughs> well, you know, St- could they find Sting, a recording studio? Sting that?
0: had that whole thing about. Well, with um, when I'm with my wife Trudy, we go at it for eight hours without moving. And then he came back and said, "Yeah, I go at it for eight hours, but at least seven and a half of that is dinner and begging." <laughs> nice.
1: No, I I got my fill of. Um, Sting early in his solo career after the police had broken up because i i was subscribing to a lot of um stuff like uh mu- musician magazine and guitar magazine and i remember reading an interview with him where he basically was like i don't give a f about rock and roll and you know any anything is okay to use and, and it's just like it, it just seemed very dismissive of the type of thing that had paid for his huge mansion in well in, by the England. same
0: token though i remember right after uh john lennon's comeback with double fantasy mm-hmm. he did a playboy interview where he's like you know what i don't follow i don't care what's going on in music same same principle
1: yeah but uh, you're saying john lennon said that yes yeah, but John Lennon, in that, I remember that interview, and in that same interview, and I'm, and I'm, pro, I think I'm quoting verbatim here, wop, bop, loo, bop, I know rock and roll. I don't know much else, man. <laughs> so, Okay. but, um,
0: uh, anyway, uh but, uh,
1: but, uh, yeah, Sting. I just, uh, especially, like, his last album, he, he did, like, a whole album of lute music, and, and it's like, dude, just, All right, here's just, a, here's just go a pro- away. Just go a, away. Here's
0: a problem with a lot of these musicians. They just get f- so full of themselves and become so self-important, Bono, um, that... Uh, I won't t- I won't t- we'll save the Bono story heard, for another day. You heard, you heard that, right? Yeah, I heard okay. that story.
1: We'll, we'll save, we'll do an Irish uh, show.
0: <laughs> Uh, you, no, that's you two, two, two bands. U2 you, you was, was much better when they were just young, pissed-off Irishmen. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I completely went off the roll there. Oh, uh, never mind. It anyway. doesn't matter. So that's it for the police.
1: Okay, so... Um, or right.
0: as they call them in certain areas, the Popo.
1: The Popo, yes. Okay, well, here's a, here's a weird power trio. And our, arguably the weirdest one we're going to talk about today. Uh, you ever heard of uh, Primus? Primus. <laughs>
0: Heard the name. Other than that, not a clue.
1: Primus is one of the weirdest bands ever. Um, they are led by their bass player um, Les Claypool, who is bizarreness incarnate. Uh, he he does he does a lot of bass tapping, like like Eddie Van Halen. Okay, and he, he speaking
0: of douche. <laughs> okay, for no, those he, of you keeping tra- for those of you keeping count at home. Has three douches, no, one episode.
1: No, that he does. He's not a douche. He's a drunk. There's a difference.
0: He's done some douchey. <laughs> shit. I mean, stuff. Yeah,
1: but he, he at least blames it on the booze. Neil Sean, Neil, Sean and Sting don't drink.
0: <laughs>
1: it comes to them naturally.
0: Okay, well, you know
1: what? In a holistic way.
0: Oh, spe- speaking of speaking of douche, <laughs> at the convention I was just at, they had a guy that had uh, basically Kit from Knight Rider, and you know who the douche in Knight Rider was.
1: The Hoff. The, the Hoff, yeah. The half, yeah.
0: Four Fall douches. Ha <laughs> ha
1: ha. Alrighty then. Um Primus is um very weird. Their their drummer is very much in the vein of Keith Moon as far as hit everything as loud as and as fast as possible, but he, he keeps great time. Uh, their guitar player, Larry, Larry, Larry Lalonde, is um, very Hendrix-like as far as his uh, uh, use of feedback, and he's actually a very mean clarinet player, too. How's that for weird? And this is how weird... Oh, tri- okay. This is how we- I'll, I'll just I'll wrap Primus up by saying, okay, they've had... I think 15 albums, all of which is really weird stuff. But their last album, they actually topped themselves. They did basically a a cover album, the entire soundtrack to Willy Wonka, the original. I've got a perfect puzzle for you. What do you get when you guzzle down sweets? Eating as much as an elephant eats. What
0: are you at? Getting terribly fat. What do you think will come oh that? No, well, I don't like the look of it. Blink. Blink. <laughs> Blink. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's
1: awesome. It be, uh, Les Claypool has this really weird way of singing and um I'll, I'll see if i can put a, something by them uh in here but yeah primus and what i love about primus is that their uh their chant uh, you're going you're going to look at me weird on this one but their chant if, you, if if you are a primus fan their their thing that their fans always say to each other primus sucks it, it's it's intended ironically, but you go to a Primus concert, they will be like screaming at the top of their lungs. Primus sucks, Primus. Suck! Okay, just but I love them. They're 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 almost too weird for me, and you know I listen to some weird stuff. Alrighty then. Alrighty then. Okay, we were talking about across the pond. See, who else did I have here? Now
0: were the stray cats across the pond, or were they here?
1: Well, now that's an interesting uh, thing because they actually they are from America, all three of them, but they actually couldn't make it here when they first started out. They actually started out in the, in the late seventies and couldn't get arrested here, and they went overseas, and England loved them. Lo- the London scene, which was you know that was the Clash and, and right, Sex right. Pistols and all that. Freaking love the stray cats, and suddenly they started they started selling like hotcakes over there. And since a lot of the '80s new wave stuff was you know European and England imports, they started getting in. We actually their first album, Built for Speed, was sort of a a mix of their first two albums imported from England because they they couldn't even get a record deal here in the states. See that That's- so it it's just weird cuz i think to this day a lot of people tend to think of the stray cats as as an english band and no they're i, th- I want to say they were from uh new york area
0: and so you see folks i'd like to say i planned that but it did work out rather well that's our kind of our way to get back across the pond so to speak
1: ah yes
0: makes me look makes me look uh smarter than i really am he is smarter than he really is. I'd have to be. Someone's got to be. I'm not.
1: I drive a truck. Okay. So, um, yeah, so I was you know, mentioning about Primus that uh, their, um, their guitar player sounded very, uh, very much like Hendrix as far as his, you know, the heavy feedback. And that's another power trio, the Jimi Hendrix Experience.
0: They've also been dissected and put on a dais so much that
1: uh, I, you know it's funny because I was uh, I was I remember getting into a conversation at work. I got a few music heads um, like myself at work, and I remember one time we were we were and I, if you'll recall, we did a, a one of our early shows was on underrated guitarists, and I mentioned to uh, one of the guys at work uh, who, in your opinion, is an underrated guitarist. And he said, oh, Hendrix, man. I'm like, who doesn't think H- Hendrix was an amazing guitar? Who, who, I mean, I mean underrated. I mean like, oh, yeah, okay, I never thought of him. Hendrix is just way too obvious. And I'm going to go out and look here and say I, I really, I look at Jimi Hendrix the same way I look at Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails. It's like, okay, they have a vision. I respect that. I just don't really want to look at that or listen to that vision. <laughs>
0: I can understand that.
1: I, most Hendrix stuff I just don't like listening to. I don't find most of it terribly tuneful. And then when he when he goes off on the uh, solos, he gets so far away from the, the natural melody of the song. And he does have some good songs, but I don't know. Hendrix just never does it for me, and I've been trying to figure out why for years.
0: I have to be in the mood, in the right frame of mind, You know, as I'm popping around some of the classics, uh, I really have to be in the right frame of mind for that stuff. Okay. I can understand that.
1: Um, Okay, so so we'll mention, like, the three of the biggest power trios coming out of uh, the states, the colonies.
0: Okay, go right ahead.
1: And the oldest one is one that still still gets a significant amount of airplay, and that's uh, the little old band from Texas. You know him, you love them as uh, ZZ
0: Top. Or as they used to put it all the time here, the band from Tex Ass. I'm right for
1: I liked a lot of uh
0: this is billy gibbons easy Top. well
1: it's actually a nice segue from the hendrix thing because uh uh hendrix was famous for saying the only two guitarists in the world that uh he thought were better than him were um terry kath from chicago really oh yes
0: i mean not, not, to, no, get, not I'm, to get not to get too far in, into no the, i'm a very big terry kath fan i just didn't know that Hendrix oh. held him in such high regard. Yeah,
1: Hendrix you I've read at least two interviews where they asked him, "Okay, who who impresses you? Who who do you think can can beat you or who who keeps up with you?" And in both interviews, the first person he mentions is Terry Kath. So, oh yeah, Hendrix was a huge Terry Kath fan, which it it, it you know, uh Hendrix died in I want to say 69 sixty nine seventy and no. that's right around the time uh Chicago was really starting to make it big so not a lot of overlap between the two but that would have been amazing if if
0: oh, God, Hendrix it-
1: could have um lived long enough to like do some sort of a project with Kath because listen listen to Freeform guitar off their first album. I mean I I once as I actually made up a mixtape for a guy at work who's a big big guitar person and I put Freeform Guitar by Chicago on there, and he's like, that one song you put on there, that sounds like Hendrix, but I, I've i never heard it before, because he's such a huge... Gen-. and I'm, No, that's Chicago, dude. That's Terry Kath. Terry Kath was the man. Okay, but and his other one. Billy... Um, is it Billy Gibbons? I believe it's Billy... Dusty Hill is the bass player.
0: I believe it's Billy Gibbons. Yeah,
1: yeah Billy Gibbons um, was the other one that he, he cited as... Well, I'll be... Yeah. And, and it's funny because both of those you wouldn't think as playing in the same sort of league as Hendrix, right. but those were the two that he often cited as these well, these, you know, the these funny, guys are the bomb.
0: The funny thing about ZZ Top, ZZ Top really hit the height of their popularity in the 80s with, you know, the stuff that had the cars on the cover. But And uh, and really that's so that's so n- non-representative of exactly. their stuff. Exactly. It's like they strayed away from, you know, stuff like Lagrange or,
1: well, or cheap you know,
0: sunglasses. Or
1: they were, they've even admitted at this point, you know, we were cashing in on on the new wave thing. Well, oh, sure, and you know, you can tell from from the production that that's basically what they were doing. But the, like you said, go back to their early stuff. I mean, they were just, they were just a little old blues band from. Texas, and they could rock the blues all day. And their stuff that they've put out in the last, I'd say, seven, eight, nine, ten years, they've kind of gotten back to their roots. But now they're not selling. I well, mean, they've put out at least three albums in the last ten years. Did you know that? No one knows that, other than the die-hard fans.
0: Well, I can't say as I've been a die-hard fan of much of anybody over the last little bit. But, you know, it, it makes me think what you were just talking about. Uh, 30th Anniversary Journey concert. Was, they subtitled it Journey Through Time. Okay. Where basically and I, I have
1: a, something to tell you about Journey. But... Well,
0: they basically decided where we're, uh, we're going to play all this stuff from our first couple of albums and stuff that we really like. And they completely lost the audience. And then Neil Sean did his douche move or are you you
1: talking about the uh next look into the future era
0: yeah back greg raleigh before they before steve perry you know they're doing all this all this stuff but but without
1: greg raleigh to even sing it
0: yeah well oh my god and you know they're going off on all this uh santana inspired musical whatever and the audience is just like Stop it,
1: it It was a cross between progressive rock And 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 Latino blues is what it was It, yeah, wasn't, so it wasn't what you know as Journey Right now. so they're
0: doing all this And they completely lost the audience Until they started doing stuff that they'd actually heard Yeah But you know and again Sean did his solo The uh, Star, Star Spangled Banner mm-hmm. Note for note Hendrix And it's like yeah. this is my tribute No it's not it was Hendrix <laughs> And what's, what's the douche count we were at four? But we can't count him twice. Yeah, I was so. going to say,
1: that's a repeat. Um, interesting thing about Journey. On one of their last CDs that they released, they added in a second CD where they re-recorded a lot of their Steve Perry material with um, Arnell
0: Panetta. That, that sounds it? about right. I, don't, yeah, I don't know.
1: He's Portuguese, that's all I know. But I actually heard... I think it was "Don't Stop Believin'," but it was it was the, the the new version, and it's like, yeah, the guy can sing, but I have a real great ear for when they do that type of thing. A lot of bands have done that for copyright reasons. See now, um, they if if they all the way it works is if they re record one of their old songs, especially one that Steve Perry s- sang or wrote if he wrote it he'll get the co- he'll get money just because he he has part copyright on the writing but the money he would get from performing he won't get a dime of that and again I, I would i would give um i would give Neil Sean an extra gold sticky star in the in the douche department just yeah
0: but here's the here's the thing nobody wants to hear that they want to hear what they're familiar with i'm sorry
1: oh no i i fully agree i heard it and i'm just like Oh, okay. I guess it wasn't Don't Stop Believing It, but it was something. It was something. Some
0: signature song.
1: It may have been Lights. I think it may have been Lights because um, I remember thinking at the time, okay, this is something that Steve Perry actually wrote. And all of a sudden I'm like, that's not Steve Perry. It sounds almost, I mean, it, to the, un- I hate I, I, to you know, inflate myself, but I mean, to someone who's not a music geek like myself, probably would have been full. But I'm like, it's close, but it's just not there. And I'm listening to this, and then then I uh, realize, oh, okay, this is one of those remakes they did. And like I said, Steve Perry's going to get like you know the two cents or whatever for writing the thing, but the performing royalty he gets screwed out of, and. I find again, it I find most, it a little sad that that they're
0: doing that. But by the same token, most radio stations and that—I mean—they're going to play the original. And well, well this was on
1: Musac, which sort of surprised me because Musac really doesn't take a lot of risk. Musac will usually, you know, go go with what you know. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, who's to say that? There's not a little bit of a kickback there because Muzak doesn't have to follow the same standards as everybody else. Do that? Fair
1: point. Fair point. It, but like I said, I'm listening to it and I'm like, God, I hate. Why can't I mean I hate to be all get off my lawn, but why can't I listen to the stuff that I that I know and like and grew up with? Okay, so why do they have okay. to change it?
0: Okay, well then technically we have to we have to count him twice in the douche. So we're at the five douche count. Okay. Okay.
1: Or at least four and a half. Maybe give him a half a one. No,
0: he gets a full one for All right. for that. So we'll, five, we're being five, ge- five douches. Ah, ah, ah. We're, being, we're being very generous
1: with our douches today. We run a clean podcast. <laughs>
0: oh, I got dude. the face, <laughs> dude. Anywho, okay. So what would you like your dressing? Oh, a simple vinegar and water, I think. Uh. Wouldn't be a party without the douchebag. Lord and Lady Douchebag. Dur- oh,
1: God, I forgot about that one. Um, so the last two we'll wind up with, these are probably the the two most recent incarnations of what is known as a power trio. And um, the probably, I don't know which one of these is more well-known, but uh, let's start with Green Day. Which which I'm only I actually I'm not even going to give them credit anymore because uh, they officially added a fourth member, um, as of about a year ago. Really? Yeah they they had they had some guy that has been sort of a touring guitarist with them for close to ten years now, but has never done much. He did a couple guest spots in their studio work, and I just read this the other day that uh, moving forward. Every recording they have from now on, they are going to be considered a four piece. And he, I, I forget the guy's uh, name, but
0: uh, you know, it actually just makes sense. I mean, listening to some of the guitar parts, I mean, I don't know how Billy Bob or Billy Billy Joe, Joe Armstrong. Yeah, I, I, I knew it was Billy Joe. I'm just messing. Oh. Um you know, some of that stuff's pretty complex, and for him to try to sing while he's doing that. Well, that
1: I've, I've joked for years. That's why he does the, the faux British accent when he sings. Cause he, I forgot how to American. <laughs> but anyway. How,
0: America.
1: how, how can you not love a band whose drummer is named Trey Cool?
0: <laughs> and that's the guy, isn't he, that wears the real heavy eye makeup and always has like this look on his, this blank look on his face? Yeah,
1: he always looks like he's stoned, even though he's arguably the straightest member of the group. I think he's just a little bit addle-brained. I think he's an android. Hard to disprove I remember I saw Green Day at Blossom Music Center uh, Years ago when they were first making it big And uh, they had a song where he, The drummer and Billy Joe Armstrong Actually switched places And it, it's an hysterical song It's called Dominated Love Slave I want to be your dominated love slave I want to be the one who takes the pain You can spank me when I do not behave Smack me in the forehead with a chain
0: I love feeling dirty And I love feeling cheap And I love
1: it when you hurt me So drive them staples deep Okay, and it it's a it's basically uh, a a very fast country song. It's,
0: I want to be your dominated love slave. <laughs> uh, the only story I have about Green Day, my daughter, her first real rock concert. I mean, you know, she went and saw some boy band, and, and yeah, her first full blown rock concert was Green Day on the American Idiot tour. Okay. And she went to the mall. She had her American, you know, she had her tour shirt on. Mm. And these people kept stopping her, and you know, just wanted to talk about it. And boy, she was just in her glory. Oh, okay. Like, oh, yeah, this is so cool. Okay, no, that, I, I, that's I, about I, the closest I got.
1: Hey, I I can't judge on that. Half half the shirts I wear, I, I wear, you know, just just to get a conversation going. So
0: yeah, and I personally will not talk about concert shirts. The sore subject in this household. Oh, really? We'll talk later. <laughs> anyway, and um, what's the name of that one song from? I want to say it was Chicago's Hot Streets album. Gone long gone. Wow.
1: Okay. Well, like so, we'll, we'll have a conversation about that. But anyway, <laughs> and um, we're I guess uh, one of the ones we're gonna wind up with here.
0: In fact, probably the one we're gonna wind up with
1: is uh, uh, Nirvana. fan I was a fan when they first came out and I maintained my fandom up until Kurt Cobain killed himself which I I really had a, a hard time with the way he was uh, canonized in his death I thought I thought what he did was cowardly and I, you know he had issues we all do and i I'm I'm not really supportive of the whole suicide thing, and I, I still, I still am one of those that halfway buys into the whole thing that Courtney Love like had him killed. If we're, it, the only thing that disproves that is the fact that uh, she's done really nothing of, of, you know, if she did it to advance her own career, epic fail. But um, I like Nirvana I, when. When they first came out, I, I loved the um, Nevermind album. Just loved it. Played it incessantly on, on my personal uh, playlist. When they came out with In Utero, a lot of the lyrics on that album, I sort of applaud. I was going through a divorce at the time, and I really related to a lot of the lyrics that he had on there. They just. So it's one of the you know you have you have these things in in pop culture that you just sort of adopt as your own. And say, wow, this really speaks to what I'm going through. That album for some reason, and I listened to it the other day. Maybe not has aged so well, but at the time uh, when In Utero came out, I, I was just oh my god, it's like he's he's speaking to me and giving me support through this divorce. There was so much relevant stuff to what they were doing, and like I said, hasn't aged as as well. As I would have hoped, but at the, uh, just for that reason alone, I, I'll, I'll consider myself a fan of the band. And uh, Dave Grohl has gone on to become a rock god.
0: Well, <laughs> oh, he's, uh, what, Foo Fighters? Yeah.
1: Okay. Dave Grohl, I, I don't agree with everything he, he does say politically. Again, you know, I never like to go down that road, but musically, the man is cool. Yeah. I saw him at, at the paul mccartney uh tribute and he's he's singing along with paul mccartney he's in the audience and he's got his daughter in his lap and she's singing along too and i'm like oh cool parenting you're doing it right you're having (laughs) him sing along with paul mccartney live yes (laughs) epic win
0: okay so looking at the time ticking away on the screen i'd say that if we have any more that would be a topic for another time
1: Uh, we had a few that a few minor ones but i think we got all the big boys in there um
0: or at least the ones we could come up with off the top of our heads
1: i had a list it was on my tablet i i didn't i just had stuff bouncing around in my head i'm the one that's supposed to keep everybody on point so
0: anyway so never uh, worked before (laughs) hey i'm kidding he he does a good job of at least trying to keep me focused. You, you keep God it? knows I can. You, what are the rules? D-Dub's not allowed a pen and paper.
1: <laughs> well, you're allowed, but you know, oh, I, I get to at least look at what you're doodling afterwards.
0: Well, you see, that's, that's why I don't keep a list. Because if I have a list and I have a pen, I, I will get lost in my thoughts because I'll be sitting here drawing.
1: Yeah. What do you think, D-Dub? Huh? What?
0: <laughs> I'm sorry I wasn't listening. Got a doodle, though. It's a good one. It's in pan. I know what pans are. I got him! I got him! Ooh. Damn, I was so close. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Annie, anyway, If you want to drop us a line, that's geeksexplainitall at gmail.com. And tell me, my friend, what is our topic for next time? Well,
1: as most of you know, they have decided to revive yet again the Star Wars franchise, and um, I'm going to be talking with D Dub about my thoughts on the Star Wars franchise. And uh, this is as I as I teased earlier in the episode. Uh, I expect to get some comments on this one because I have a feeling I'm not going to be quite in sync with. Uh, the rest of fandom on this one.
0: Go ahead and share what you said. The title of the episode will be.
1: Well, um, basically, the title is going to be the Hate Episode: Star Wars Limited Edition. <laughs> yeah, if that doesn't get you get your uh, Millennium Falcons in, in in a pinch, then uh, tune in for to to see what raves I have to do.
0: And with that being said, this is... Oh, I'm sorry. Those are rants, not raves. This is D-Dub. And Stratosphere. Saying, just remember, folks, just because it's pop... Don't mean it
1: ain't culture. Bye, folks. Later, kids.